there's a lot of things I'm going to say tonight that you already know. I'm not that smart. I'm just going to say some stuff. You're like, yeah, I heard that before. But in our culture and in our day, you would know that manhood or being a man or, or, or those t- types of things is at an all-time crisis low, is it not? That it is at an all-time low, that there's not many men or people who want to be men or maybe desiring to be men. They shave, but that's about it. That makes them a man. And they're trying to pursue after God or maybe trying to do so. And what's one of the things that's true about us as men when, when we talk about this idea of progress? We believe, or you believe, doesn't matter how many times you, you hear it, how many times I say it, you believe that you are alone, that you are the only one that struggles with the things you do like you do, that no one else struggles like you do. And the sweet thing, the best, one of the best things about Christianity is this idea. You and I, we get to come as we are, right? You get to come as you are. And even as I say that, there's a portion of you that say yes and amen because you know. And then there's a portion of you that say, I don't believe that. That when I say come as we are and God takes us as we are, that is at the core of what the gospel is. That Jesus takes not the the really good version of you, this one on Sunday morning that's all clean and pampered up and your wife's got you looking so good Easter morning, taking pictures, not that one. God takes the portion and the, the person you are as you are and he welcomes you and says, hey, I want that mic. I want that person. Now, here's what this series is all about. We come as we are, but hopefully, and Lord willing, we don't stay as we are. That there is a a, a lie or a teaching out there that would say, you get to come as you are and you just get to stay as you are. That that is not at all what the Bible teaches. And this this idea of us being a work in progress. I think it was uh, last October and I was wrestling with the series what we were gonna do. And I was just praying. I started asking a few guys, hey, would you pray, would you pray? And I had about four conversations in the same day that was, hey, how you doing? And everyone's like, this is a work in progress, man. And then I was like, man, I think I'm a work in progress too. That's the series, work in progress. So we are gonna talk about you come as you are, but you don't stay as you are. So for the next, it's gonna be 10 weeks, but we're only gonna meet for eight of them. So this is an eight-week series. We are gonna do ten, or eight different topics about certain struggles that you and I would have that we would come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. Because here's what happens, because I know what's going on in your mind half the time. There's a struggle that you have. And and what we're going to talk about tonight is anger. There's a struggle you have. It will come up. Something will take place and you'll say, man, I want to get better at this. I want to be a better husband, please. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better follower of Christ. I want to be a better leader. I want to change. I don't want to do do another series just to blow our heads up and just get really smart. I'll start to get, I'll, I'll fall asleep. I want to do a series where we would actually say, hey, there's some things that I want to change. So this will come up, something will happen, and we'll say, I want to work at it. We'll try for about three days. You'll text someone, right? You'll call someone, and then eventually what happens? Happens again. Ah, shoot. Just did it again. I got mad. I kicked the dog. Whatever. I did this. (laughs) So yeah, I did that tonight. And then, then you'll say this phrase. Well, it just, it is what it is. It is what it is. Mike, I've tried 
to kick this porn addiction, but it just, it is what it is. That's for other people, that's not for me. I've tried to get better at this commitment, we'll talk about that next week, and I just fall back on empty promises. It just, it is what it is. Hey, I'm an angry person. It just, it is what it is. That's how God made me, I'm angry, That's, that's his fault. He changes other people's lives, but not mine. So for this series in the next couple weeks, we are gonna go really deep, I like that word deep, and we are gonna say, hey, Hopefully, one of these, one of these, as we talk over the next couple weeks, you would say, man, this one's for me. And if one of them is not for you, if tonight we're talking about anger, you haven't been angry since, I don't know, uh, the Steelers won the Super Bowl. You haven't been angry in a long time, right? And you would say, I'm not an angry person. But there is someone where you would say, I want to come alongside. I want to help them because all of us should make progress but nobody, nobody makes progress alone. It's just, it's literally impossible. And God, God is more committed to your progress than you are. He's more committed to it. And here's what I mean by this. When you give up on yourself, you have given up on yourself more than God has ever thought about that. You'll give up on yourself You'll, you'll make a mistake, right? You'll, you'll get pretty embarrassed about it or you'll start, to, maybe you get you know, all worked up, you'll hear a sermon, you'll hear a story, you'll hear a study and you'll say, I wanna change, I wanna do something. And then something just falls through the cracks. And like I said, you just start to, just start to lose your way. And this verse is the one that we're gonna probably say every night is Philippians 1, 6. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That God is the one, God is the one who does the work in our lives. He is the one that if you have accepted Christ into your life, if you have Jesus and he comes into your life, he is the one who is molding, he is shaping, he is chiseling, he is molding me down, breaking me down more and more so that I would look like him. He's saying, I'm sure of this, Paul says. I'm not guessing, I'm not thinking, it's not something for just the pastors to think about, the leaders to think about, the really spiritual people to think about. There are some things in our lives, maybe over the past, this past year, for what we've been through the past two years, or five years, or ten years, that there have been some habits that have been developed that it's about time they get kicked. There have been some habits that have been developed, say, hey, you know what? I'm no longer going to allow this to, to, to take me captive, to, to make me who I am, to become my identity. And I'm going to, by God's grace, with the grace of God, allow this to be a good work in my life. And I'm going to change. And so this is twofold, that we don't just want to talk about changing, being better people, but also that God takes us as we are, and he happily does so. So tonight we are talking about anger uh, in your handout, and I have five things um, on anger we're going to talk about. The first one is that our anger <clears throat> pleases God. Our anger, I just saw three heads cocked and looked up like, huh, uh, pleases God. It says in Mark 3, Jesus is going to do something that is really, really crazy to these religious leaders and these guys. He's going to heal a man on a Sunday or Saturday, on a Sabbath day, he's going to heal someone. And back in the day, you weren't supposed to do that. And Jesus, they're, they're yelling at him, they're mocking him for doing this in Mark 3. Jesus, he looked, he looked around at them with anger, 
grieved at their hardness of heart. A hard heart. A hard heart. And we'll talk about a tender heart and a hard heart later on. But there is an anger that is out there that pleases God. Jesus often, or two, two or three separate times, he would get angry about a few things. The anger of emotion. What's crazy about Mark 3, 5 is one of my favorite. There's these two separate emotions that he feels. Anger and he's grieved simultaneously. I mean, some of us, when I'm talking right now, you're like, man, he's preaching angry right now. Why he's so angry? I'm not angry. This is me, this is me calm. This is me very, very calm. Um, he, he says there's anger and there's grief in his heart at the same time. There are some things that God gets very angry about, and he allows, he allows you to get angry as well. It is an emotion that God created. And, and every time we talk about anger, everyone always thinks that it is not something that we should do, but I want to come out of the gate and say there's an anger that pleases God. And the one that most of you would be familiar with is in John chapter 2. It says this, in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. So if I were going to walk over to this table, not that I was to do this, if I flip this table, you got scared, Rick. You were nervous. <laughs> if, I, if you flip a table, he's holding it down. If, if I were to walk over this table and I was going to flip this table, I actually asked my wife about it because I was like, should I flip a table? And I was like, Rick would kill me because I'll break one. It's kind of abrupt. But there's, if, if you flip a table, you're saying something without saying something. Some of us, you, you've done this at your house around, ki- around dinner time. The kid did something. The, your wife said something. You didn't flip the table, but what'd you do? You slammed the door. You walked out of the house. You shut the door. You, and, and what this is expressing is that they are making the temple or the church a place it is not supposed to be. Why are they trying to, to make money out of this thing? What's it supposed to be? A house of prayer and a place to connect with God. And Jesus walks in and he says, no, 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 no. And so he flips the table. What are some things, what are some things that God allows us and it pleases God to get angry with? Sin. What about things that are against his word? Hopefully abortion. Abortion, right? We talk about, <laughs> we, I mean, okay, I, I got to put that in the back. Um, there's some things, right, that anything against God's word, if we say something about God that is wrong, that should anger him. If I tell someone, hey, there are many ways to God. It doesn't matter how you get there, just get there. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus or good works or whatever, just get to God. Would God be pleased with that or would that anger him? That would anger him, right? Because there's one way. So in any way, the question that I'm asking is this. Do I get angry about the things that God gets angry about? Do, does my heart... Do, do my emotions, or am I getting angry about some things? Because I'll say this, there's some of us in the room, there's some things you should get angry about. You ain't been angry in a long time. You're going to go home tonight and be like, babe, pastor told me to get mad. Look out. <laughs> Don't blame that on me. But there's some things that you should say, hey, in my life, guess what? I should get angry about some things in my own life. I'm about sick of this. 
I'm about sick of the, the life I'm living. I'm, you know, 35, I'm 45, I'm 55 years old. I didn't want this to look like this. And I just got a little bit older and I just settled. God, would you help me to get angry and say, hey, enough is enough. There is an anger that pleases God. An anger that looks at itself and says, you know what? Hey, no more. I'm tired of just playing a game with my life. Our anger can, can please God. And number two, our anger brings judgment. And so it says in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and those who murder will be liable to judgment, which is legit, right? I mean, 10 commandments, no debate. I mean, if someone, if someone commits murder, we're like, yeah, that's, that's bad. They should, be, they should be judged. Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So why does Jesus do that? He does that so whether your anger is a little bit, it is a lot, it is excessive, or it is, and we'll talk about this in a second, it is suppressed, it is still worthy of judgment. That we would have to, my anger or our anger should expose us and be like, man, I need Christ. I need his help. My anger has, has ruined some things. It's done some things in my life. I, I truly need some help. God, would you, would you help me? That's, that's the purpose of this. That no one, no one would say, man, I just got everything together. I ain't been, I don't, I'm not a work in progress. I'm, I'm, progr- I'm perfect. I'm as perfect as, there's nothing I need progress on. Jesus says this because he's trying to get to the heart issue. And it says in Ecclesiastes 7.10, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. So here is a confession that I would have to make in any setting. I am probably more angry or angrier than I would like to admit. Okay? Secondly, I wouldn't like to admit this one, but I would have to. Every time I'm angry, whose fault is it? Someone else. It ain't me. It's what she, it, it was her. It, it, was, it was him. I mean, you watch TV lately? It was them, right? It, it was, it's, it's always projected. I can never, I'll never own up to it. And I, I mean, it brings judgment because when it lodges in your heart, and, it, and we talked about this in Ecclesiastes. Eventually, on any topic we're going to talk about, I have to say, God, anytime I get angry, it's, it's the man in the mirror. It's, it's right back at me. I got to quit blaming. I got to quit pointing. I got I to eventually own up, and it just brings judgment. Now, there are two separate forms of, of anger that are exposed, at least this emotion, at least how I think about it. The first one is this picture of my basketball coach. I love this one. This was my basketball coach, Coach Schwartz. This was him whispering, and, and I'm not making that up. Some of you in here, you would know. This is a whisper. This was him like whispering in my ear. He, I mean, this is just an angry man. I love this guy to death. Still talk to him this day. Um, I mean, still, he, he's a great, he turned our basketball program around. But this, what, this is an anger. Some of you, when you get angry, how does, it, how does it come up? Your face gets red, you're screaming, and everyone's like, yeah, he, he's mad. The other form is what? You pout. Hey, shut down. Fine, I won't talk. No, I'm not mad. Are you mad? Not at all. I'm happy. 
Yeah, I'm happy. There's, there's an anger that, that brings judgment, and this comes out, right? Some of us, we just pout. And I'll be honest, I, sometimes I'll, I'll do both. I can do both in the same day. There, and, and, the, and the emotion, sometimes, some of us, you feel so strong that you don't know what to do with it. You black out. You don't even remember what you said. You don't even remember how you responded. And that, and the reason I'm, uh, I'm pulling all these out is because I, I want us to, be, to, to see that, to realize that, and say, man, I, God, I need help. God, would you help me? God, would you, would you change me on the inside? Would you change my heart, God? Number three, and this is probably the most practical one, there is our, our anger ruins relationships. So it says in Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So what it means when it says put off or put away from you, it's referring to, to clothes or like a jacket you and I would wear. That it says it's like when we put something on. It's putting, there are things in Colossians 3 that would say put on humility, put on meekness, put on love. And when it says let all bitterness, what, it, what is bitterness? You've heard the phrase. It's drinking poison, expecting someone else to die. Okay? And anger ruins relationships in so many ways. And this is, why, this is what, it, what I want to get to. When it says, put away from you, it's, it's referring to, it says in Colossians, it says in Ephesians, it's referring to this close analogy, and it says that you would take off, that you would take off and you would put it away or you would throw it away. But with anger, what do some of us do? We start the process and then we just go like this. We just hang on to it. <clears throat> and it starts to mess with your mind. You are angry at your wife. I'm angry at her. I'm hanging on to my anger like this. And she's moved on. And, and we'll talk about in a second how the devil gets in on that and gets in our mind. It truly ruins relationships. So what he is saying, take it off. And the analogy it has is that you would throw it. You would just throw it. You would cast it away from you. You don't even play with it. You just get, be done with it. It says in Colossians 3, put to death. That you would take it in the backyard. You would get your shovel. You would dig a hole. You put it in the hole. You take your gas can. You put your gas, you empty the gas can. You do a little thing. I'm not, I'm not promoting this all you fight. You guys are like, no. And then you burn, right? You, you put it away. You put it to death. You don't, you don't play with it. And it says, be tenderhearted. Man, that word, tenderhearted. Because a hard heart hasn't heard a word that has been said tonight. A hard heart cannot receive anything that's said to them about anger. It's hard. Even it was last week, I found myself asking God, God, would you give me a tender heart, one that is soft? Thick skin and a tender heart have to be superpowers, only given by the Holy Spirit. I have to believe that. Thick skin and a tender heart. 
have to be superpowers. That I don't take everything to heart, that I, I don't just get beat up all the time, but the things that matter and the people that matter most, I would hear them and say, God, would you help me to change? And if I had more time, this next verse, pull up 1 Samuel 18. This is one of my favorite stories. But Saul was very angry, and he said, They have ascribed to David 10,000, and to me have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? So, so or Saul, I, David, from that day on. <clears throat> so he was angry with David. David f- defeated Goliath. Saul's upset. They're singing and praising his songs. They're, they're just, I mean, shouting praises for David. Saul, I mean, he's got more than three issues on his list. But anyway, he's hanging out, and he sees him. He's angry. And then what's he do? He eyes him. He envies him. Some of you are angry at people that have maybe done things to you that were legit. You, you have reasons to be angry. They didn't call. They didn't, that was crazy. Uh, they, did, they didn't call. That was awesome. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't text. That person did call. Look at that. Holy Spirit. Um, there, there, are, there are people that you are angry about that have done some things to you or against you that you have, you have rights to be angry. It's ruined relationships for good reasons. You would say, I have, I have rights, but bitterness and anger will eat you up. You're losing sleep, and they haven't even been thinking about it. Eventually, we have to let it go. I told my, my wife this. The, the person in my life who I think's, think deals with anger the best is my one-year-old daughter, okay? She's 13 months. I mean, she's, she's flying around, okay? She's all over the place. I don't give her what she wants. What does she do? Screams. I mean, call the cops. The neighbor, I mean, she is screaming. I'm mean, losing her mind, right? She, she's mad. She's mad as could be. Walks away, throws something. I'm like, where does she get that from? That's from your family. That ain't from the Dumas, right? Uh, like, we don't get that mad. Uh, she, <laughs> she, she runs away. And then how, how much longer does it take her to forget? About three seconds. She comes back. Hold me. I hold her. And she, she's right here. I mean, if I was like, I wish I could do that. I'm holding on to stuff that happened five years ago that doesn't even matter. And it, and it ruins relationships. It really does. And the people who have hurt you or that you are angry about, I want to let you know, God knows. He knows the hurts. And the things that you're holding on to, eventually, eventually, you have to decide, will I let this go? Or will I let this run my life? Can't go to church there anymore. I don't go to get my gas there anymore. I don't go to shop there anymore because I might run into this person. It's just, it's fueling us. And God says, I got to do some things in a tender heart, one that is soft. And I understand there are a thousand different nuances in that situation that you would have to say, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. Well, I'm not saying, we talked about restoration and forgiveness a little bit in Ecclesiastes, but on the aspect of forgiving and letting anger go, I'm not going to let this run my life. I got to quit being mad at people for messing up my life and eventually just take ownership. And number, number four, our anger needs to be dealt with and released. Dealt with and released. <clears throat> it says in Ephesians 4, be angry 
and do not sin, implying that you can be angry and not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for or to the devil. So, here, here's what, what happens. Let's say you get in a, let's just use a hypothetical that none of you have experienced. You get in an argument with your wife. You guys get mad at each other. There, there's, there's anger there. You're fighting, okay? And then what happens? 30 minutes pass by. An hour passes by. A couple hours pass by. You haven't talked. We'll just go to bed. Then the next day, you, you got a thousand things to do, and you just keep going. We didn't real, we'll talk about it this weekend. Well, by then, yeah, it's not that big a deal. We don't need to talk about it. Then what happens? Then the next week, something similar happens, and at this time, you say, well, fine. That's just the way she is. I don't want to say anything. I'm gonna, it's, not, it's not worth it at this point. I would prefer to just have, I'm not even going to say my point because saying something will cause more of a fight. All of those things I just said, I believe, is extremely spiritual. I believe the devil is at play in our minds and in our relationships more than we would probably know. And I think the more we sit and the more we simmer and the more we build a case in our heads that's no longer reality, the devil is thinking, that's exactly what I wanted him to do. I didn't want him to go talk to her. I didn't want him to have a long conversation with her. I didn't want him to try and restore anything. I wanted him to believe that it is unfixable at this point, that he might as well not say anything and just let the bitterness and the anger simmer and take root. It needs to be dealt with and it needs to be released. And this idea, I had a man explain this to me a couple months ago. I was meeting with him, old pastor, super wise, talking about tracing it and replacing it. And, and what, what do we mean by this? Asking myself the question, why am I so angry? Or what am I angry about, truly? Am I angry? What, what, is, the, what is the point that I'm being angry? We were coming back from vacation a week ago. We left for the airport five minutes later than I wanted to. We get to the airport, we get through, we get our things. My wife looks at me and says, what in the world are you so angry about? Nothing. She's like, you are a stress ball. I was like, I, I'm not angry. I'm fine. We left five minutes later than I wanted to. Is that going to go away or is that just forever? I want to know. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, good luck, man. Hey, Sean, he said, that ain't going nowhere. And, and, and here's what I need to ask myself. Is it really worth getting that angry over? And for some of you, you would go back and say, okay, am I angry about this thing that was hurt to me and my family? My son said this to me. My daughter did this to me. My wife said this. My boss said this. This happened. You got to say, okay, trace it. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? And, and is it justified for me to hold this grudge against them? To, as Ecclesiastes would say, lodges in your heart. I want to encourage you tonight, believe it or not, that your anger does not have to sit and simmer. And you, you are just known, he's just the angry guy. He's just always mad. He's always angry. It's just, just the way he is. It comes around every four years when, when the election shows up. He's just angry. Just angry. Yeah, that was it. That was it. That was it. We need to talk more about godly men and maybe less about government. We need more godly men and less government in this world. Amen. But anyway, we need, we need to focus and say, where is this coming from? 
why am I so angry? And, and I need to say, okay, and, here's, and this, is, this is super spiritual to say, but I'm telling you this, this is like impossible for me. But I'm trying, so bear with me. I get mad, I'm frustrated with something. Okay, I have to wait a little bit. I have to think about it and I say, okay, why was I so angry? Was it legit? Was it worth it? More times than not, it's, it's not worth it. And then I say, God, for how much you have forgiven me, for how much you could be angry with me, and how much grace you have given me, and how much patience, oh my word, how much patience God has given me, I can probably let this one slide. It was five minutes. What's the deal? What, and, and so, tracing it and replacing it. What is, when Peter and Jesus had the conversation in Mar- Matthew 18, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? 77 times seven. I don't know what that, Steve, what is that? I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. That, that you should not, he's teaching, you should not hold a grudge. That you should trace it and replace it and say, no, God's forgiven me in Christ, his anger he could have had toward me, he doesn't have anymore. He hated and was so angry towards sin, he sent his son Jesus to die for me. I'm holding on to a grudge that is probably illegitimate. But in my flesh, I want to hang on to this and I want to wear it like a coat every day. What happens when you wear a coat in the summertime? A thick one. You sweat. And everyone's looking at you like you're weird. Right? That's what it's like when you are so angry in situations where people are like, what are you mad about? Trace it and replace it. And number five, last one, our anger needs to be controlled. And you know I had to use this one, and it stinks because it's so hard, but we had to. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person, every person, be quick to hear. Slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Has the same concept here in 21. Therefore, put, put away, throw it away like a coat, throw it away, all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This question has helped me in, or maybe should have helped me a little bit more. But when it's saying receive with meekness, it's saying there are two types of people who can receive the word and receive God's word. The ones who just say, man, God, I need a tender heart. Would you change my heart? And one that is hard and can't receive it. And when it's saying be slow to anger, this question right here, pull it up for me, Andy. How soon should I respond to this? Oh, the headaches that would have saved me. Oh, the apologies that would have saved me. I mean, in my marriage alone, it's probably over 100. In my personal friendships, it's probably, I mean, it's got to be up there. How soon should I respond to this? Should I wait five seconds, five minutes, Maybe five hours. Maybe I should wait a couple days. 
and, and using the wisdom of going to bed on the anger, but also maybe saying, this has been an issue for us for some time. And I'm gonna, instead of responding, I'm gonna remove myself from the situation and I'm not gonna let my anger define me in this moment. I need to control my anger. It says in the Bible that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what? Self-control. That I, I can control my anger that I, I won't lash out in this thing. I won't scream anymore. I won't, I won't pout like a third grader. I'll say, God, help me to control this and do something in my heart. Change it. I, I have learned or am learning, the longer I wait, the more common sense I have. The longer I wait... The longer I wait, when I would rather had said something in the moment, the longer I wait, I come back and I'm like, okay, here's what happened, and, and I'm sorry for this. And I'm not even, it, 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 you, you, you think so much better. Anger makes us think really, really dumb. Helps us to respond really dumb, right? So what I would like at, at your tables, you guys, I'm going to give you plenty of time. I got three questions for you. What are some things you should be angry about? What do you do when you get angry? And who are you angry with? And it's time to let it go. Take as much time as you need and please stay on topic if you guys can. Thank you guys. Go ahead. Well, hopefully you've had some good discussion <clears throat> at your tables. And I was kind of just back there talking with Andy and we were saying, man, maybe, maybe for, for some of you there's no one like specifically that you're mad at or you get angry with, maybe for some of you it's, it's yourself. You get mad at yourself often or maybe you get upset for some of the things you do or maybe your anger makes you, or you get angry because you do stupid things sometimes. And I was trying to think of what is a good, what's the opposite, and just think about this for a second, what's the opposite of anger? There, there, there could be, it's kindness, Maybe gentleness is, is the word that I kept thinking. A gentle, a tender is the opposite of anger, right, of that emotion of maybe love. And I was thinking it's in a few different passages here where the Apostle Paul would say, correct someone in a spirit of gentleness. Or he, he says in First Thessalonians, we were gentle among you. We weren't harsh with you. We were, we were soft. We, we weren't angry. We weren't yelling at you. We were gentle. And there are some... Things that, I, I mean, I was just, I had planned on sharing this, but I forgot. Uh, anger makes us, makes us do embarrassing things sometimes or makes us do things that we would regret. And um, I was 16, and I actually, during, when I'm, I'm not going to get in the whole details of it, but I, I got fired by my boss. He was just such a jerk. He fired me. Uh, it was my dad, but anyway, I got fired. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was on the, I was on the phone with him, and I did something that I shouldn't have done, and he said, well, hey, you, you can just go work somewhere else. Uh, oh. And I, and I hung up the phone, and I was walking out of my room at the time, and, and there's my closet, and there's my door out. And I remember I hung up, and I was like, oh, good. Bam. And I put my head through our drywall. And, I mean, I, I don't, yeah, great, yeah, Pastor Mike. I was 16. Come on. Uh, 
I, I remember afterwards, like, you know, I went to practice, I'd done some things, come back, and we had, you know, we'd talk through it, pass it up. He told me to file for unemployment, and no, he, he brought me back in the fold. But anyway, uh, what my mom did was she, she put up a plaque over the, the hole, right? And I was like, well, it's, it's still there, but it's kind of nice, like no one can see it. And for, for some of us, the analogy is, or the illustration is, your anger has left some marks or scars, but you would rather not see them, cover them up, and not deal with them. And some of you in here tonight, you feel like God hates you. You just feel so beat up all the time. You feel like God is not a loving God. He loves other people, but he's angry at you. He's angry at the stuff you've done, the stuff you've said. God is, he's just an angry God. Well, the truth is that God was angry towards sin, that he hates sin, but he loves you so much, despite what you've heard and what you believe tonight. He loves you so much. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. That's the whole gospel. That, that's, why, that's why we do what we do. That's why we're here because of what Jesus has done, that he absorbed the wrath of God or the anger or hatred toward God, so I don't have to. He takes my place. And that's the whole premise of why we're here and what we're doing, that we come just like that. And hopefully, through this study, as we study the word of God with some men, we would make some progress. It says in 1 Timothy 4, as the Apostle Paul is correcting this this pastor, or teaching this pastor, he says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. He says, immerse yourself in scripture, in community, he, he said, in your gifts. He says, devote yourself to these things so people would say, man, God, God did a work in his life. Hopefully, if people knew the 17-year-old the Mike and the 27-year-old Mike, they'd say, man, he... God did something in his life. It's a heart change. It's not perfection, but it's progress. You're not making the, the absolute, you're not killing it every time, but you're doing some right things. And Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly and heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Two times in the Bible, Jesus will define his character himself. This is one of them. I am gentle. I am lowly. I am humble. Come, come to me. Come to me. He, he's not going to beat you up. He wants you to, he's going to, as we would say here, we want to build you up. He, he's saying, come. You have, a, you have a welcomed invitation, he says. And that is what this is all about, this series and what we're in. And, and I am so thankful that there's a lot of you guys here tonight, but I'm thinking, man, who are some of the guys that, that I should have texted or did text, or I want to follow up and say, hey, you, you need to be here next week, that, that you need to come, that this is something that is not just for me, that it is not a selfish thing that I would benefit with my maybe little few guys, but I would say, hey, there's someone who doesn't know Christ or someone who does, and I would like to walk through and make some progress with them. Maybe you invite them next week. And as we close out here tonight, back in November, we had had our last meeting, and then um, we had a baptism, and Kevin Guerin had gotten baptized, 
and which is truly an incredible story in just his life. And so I actually have the whole video. I have his testimony video and then the video um, where he got baptized. So we're going to take five, six minutes here and just, just check this out together. Okay, I'm Kevin Guerin. I'm 65 years old. Been coming to Maranatha, well, started in a men's group probably four or five years ago. And I've been coming to church regularly for a little over two years. Growing up, I was raised in a Catholic family. Um, went to Catholic schools, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Graduated from a Catholic university. And pretty regularly attended church and Catholic services for 35 years. I think God was getting my attention for a number of years most strongly in the last five years. And I think I began my search for God back at that time. Um, my wife was very sick at that time, and I went through a lot of things with her and passed through that. She was a little bit of an obstacle to me, but, you know, I was going to the Thursday night men's group and studying and listening to other people and Sam and started coming to church at Maranatha and studying. Well, I don't have a moment that I can point to that says, you know, at this moment I became a Christian. Probably a season of time or over time. I was probably on a search or search for that forgiveness and looking for it and thinking I found it, but wondering if I was, wondering if I deserved it, wondering if I was forgiven, finally realized that I, w I didn't deserve it. Nobody deserves it, and I'm forgiven anyway. And through that, you find not just your forgiveness, but you find some freedom. What drew me to God so much, I, I think I've always been in arm's reach away from God and Christ and Jesus Christ. And I think he spent my lifetime reaching out to me. Maybe I just didn't really reach back and connect with him. So it's just gotten stronger and stronger. Maybe more recently because I you know, went through a lot of trauma in my life, a lot of anxiety in my life, a lot of changes in my life. And a lot of those events made me think much more about myself and reaching out to God and calling to God, asking for forgiveness, for thankfulness, and thanking him, actually thanking him for my situations. And there's a lot of reasons I want to be baptized, but I I want to, I want to do it publicly. I want to present myself publicly. And primary reason, I want to do it for me. This is something I want to do for me personally. I've expressed my belief in Jesus Christ, and I want to demonstrate that, and I want to show it. I want to show it to other people, but I want it for me. My name is Kevin Guerin, and I've trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, it is a joy uh, to be here with you guys today and with Kevin. And in all of our services, we are baptizing six individuals uh, who are wanting to publicly show that they follow Jesus. 
And here at Maranatha, we believe uh, very clearly the Bible teaches that uh, once you accept Christ as Savior, uh, your very next step or your first step is baptism. That this is simply a symbol of you following after Jesus and that you are showing others that you do that. And Kevin, along with five others, are making that decision today in which we are super, super excited for you and for them. I had the privilege of getting to know Kevin a little bit more through the men's study and through talking through baptism with him. And I asked him if I could share this, and he said yes. And I just asked him or told him, I said, Kevin, I am extremely excited that someone at your age is deciding to get baptized. I said, we don't get to see that very often. And Kevin didn't laugh. He didn't smile. He just looked at me, and Kevin said, Mike, well, age or not, it's what God wants me to do. It's what I'm supposed to do in my obedience to Christ is this next step in following after him. So Kevin, we rejoice with you and we are excited for you. And it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, praise, praise God I got him up. But anyway, um, that, that, is, that is truly... His story and stories like that are why we do what we do. That is what it's about. And if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Christ, what better night than tonight? What better time than right now? What else would God have to do to get your attention? What other, road, what other roadblocks, what other things, what other people would he have to do to say, for you to say, Christ, I, I want to confess my sin and put my faith in Christ? Whether you're 19 years old or you're 65 or 75, doesn't matter how old you are, God welcomes you. It says in Romans, he holds out his hands all day long. He is waiting and anticipating that. Let me, let me pray for you guys before we get out of here. God, we are so thankful for your word. I am thankful that we are all a work in progress. That I'm not perfect. I don't have to be that we all serve a perfect Savior, and God, we're all, we're all working into becoming more and more like you, that your goal is for us to be more like you. And so, God, would you help us in that? Those here tonight who are struggling with anger and their anger, they feel judged, they, they feel like that ruins relationships, they don't really deal with it, they can't control it. God, I, I ask, Holy Spirit, in a supernatural way, would you help them? God, would you minister to them? Would you give all of us a tender, gentle heart, Lord? God, I pray for those in this room who have accepted Christ, but they haven't been baptized. Would you help them to make that decision? And coming up this Easter, would they say, hey, I, I want to do that. And God, also for those in this room, if they were to die tonight, if their, their, if their life would end, they would say, I, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I would have to pay for my sin away from God in a place called hell, that I need Christ in my life. God, would you speak to them loud and clear their need for Christ? Would you make it abundantly clear? And if that is you, would you just cry out to God right now, just in your seat, saying, God, would you save me? Would you forgive me of my sin? Put, I, I need what Jesus did on the cross in the resurrection. Would you come into my life and save me from my sin? Lord, I just 
so firmly believe that all of us here tonight, we fall in any of those categories. Would you help us to be men who serve you? Would you help us to be men who are faithful to you? And God, I pray that you would be with us on our ride homes tonight, our, our work day tomorrow and this weekend. Would you help us to be the men that you've called us to be? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week.